You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We said four quarters, all gas, no break. You guys did that today. Hell of a job. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet and the show for fans who know what happened. They want to know why and how. If you're not signed up for the Locked On Packers newsletter, original insights and links to the best content around the Packerverse around the internet, go sign up. I tweeted out the link. Uh, it is so easy, and every Thursday you will get the best content delivered right to your inbox, your email. You don't have to search it out. It's all there for you. I try to make it easy for you in that way. We're going to talk about a couple different things today, and I want to start with this discussion about Aaron Rodgers and the perceived flaws in the offense. Tom Silverstein from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel wrote a piece about the necessity for Aaron Rodgers to buy in to Matt LaFleur's system. And it goes through the usual discussion of Kyle Shanahan and Matt Ryan, their relationship, how Matt LaFleur differs from Kyle Shanahan, how Aaron Rodgers differs from Matt Ryan, and implicit in all of this is that Aaron Rodgers isn't bought in to what Matt LaFleur is doing. And yet, there is no evidence provided beyond the notion that Aaron Rodgers not getting the ball out quicker is an indication, or in this case, proof, that Rodgers is not bought into the Matt LaFleur system. I do not agree. I fundamentally reject this notion for a couple different reasons. Number one, Aaron Rodgers has always been this player. And Matt LaFleur has taken great pains to adapt his offense to things Aaron Rodgers does well. Early in the season, there was very little Matt LaFleur in the offense. It was a lot of Aaron Rodgers, a lot of Mike McCarthy, because that's the stuff Rodgers knows well. And LaFleur said outright that he felt like the best thing for the offense was to keep a lot of it for continuity's sake. A lot of the players are already good at it. Devontae Adams already knows where to be. Aaron Rodgers already knows what to look for. And he knows those plays inside and out. It is good coaching to say that your best players are going to be put in a position they're comfortable with, that they're familiar with. Now, inherent in this conversation is the idea that it is better to get the ball out quicker, except that's never been the case 
with Aaron Rodgers, or at least rarely been the case. You have to go back to 2015, the last time that he was significantly better getting the ball out in under two and a half seconds than holding the ball. And that was in part because Devontae Adams was hurt almost that whole year. Jordy Nelson out with the ACL. The run game was a disaster. And Randall Cobb proved he was not capable of carrying the load as a number one receiver for the year. So if Rodgers held the ball, there's no one to get the ball to down the field because no one has the speed and playmaking to, to take the top off. If they didn't get the ball out quick, it wasn't going anywhere. They were, in fact, awful when Rodgers held the ball because there was nowhere to go with it, no continuity with those players. The last time Aaron Rodgers was get the ball out quickly and fire, that destroyer of worlds, was 2011 and 2012. Well, look at the playmakers that he had to get the ball to. It was receivers all over the field. It was tight ends. It was the ability to look in any direction and find someone open on any play. The Packers do not have that. They do not have players who can get open quickly. Their tight ends can't do it. Their receivers mostly can't do it because Devontae Adams was the only player coming into the season who was capable of doing it, and he was hurt for most of the year. Even though he was playing a lot of the time and even being productive a lot of the time, they were not the same types of plays because he was not the same explosive athlete that we've seen. We know Matt LaFleur can scheme up down the field opportunities for receivers and that Rodgers can hit them down the field. In fact, Green Bay was top 10 in run after catch and run after catch per reception. Not because they're great at the underneath game. They're not. They don't have players to do that. And that's something they need to address. But because Matt LaFleur has shown the ability to help players with limited athletic ability get open. Jimmy Graham was a top player, 11th, in fact, in the league in yards after catch per reception, in part because Matt LaFleur was great at giving him seams to hit and Rodgers was finding him in those seams. They don't have one-step, three-step drop players. The Rams can call a screen on third and eight because they can get the ball to Cooper Cup, Brandon Cooks, Robert Woods, or even Josh Reynolds in a pinch and get a first down. Or they can get the ball to one of their two athletic tight ends. They could even throw to Gurley in those situations. Now, Green Bay found some success getting the ball to Aaron Jones, but how many Geronimo Allison jet sweeps and bubble screens did the Packers have to endure this season? They didn't have the personnel to run a quick passing game. And that is, by the way, in part by design. And this is the other flaw with the Rodgers needs to get the ball out quicker argument. It's not how Aaron Rodgers wants to play, number one. But number two, it's not how Matt LaFleur wants to play. And that, as much as anything else, must factor in here. Matt LaFleur wants to play like the Houston Rockets play, like the Milwaukee Bucks play. He wants layups, and he wants threes. So it's going to be bubble screens, one-step, three-step, slants, hitches, outs, those little slant flats, swing routes where you've cleared out a whole side. That is the quick game. And then he wants deep shots. Now, they have intermediate plays built in, and, and that is you know part of the play-action game especially. 
They have, you, you, they, you know, the drag routes that they get Jimmy Graham open on, some of these crossing routes, the mesh concepts that they get to, but those are longer developing plays. It's part of the deal that the quarterback would have to throw the ball. So baked into all of this has to be the design. What is the desire of every play? And for the Packers with Matt LaFleur and the quarterback being in unison on this, they want to push the ball down the field. Now, they have not had the ability to do that because teams, after the Packers were successful early in the year. By the way, it is worth pointing out that Marquez Valdez-Scantling was a deep threat monster early in the season. And then teams started to say, okay, they finally have this ability to hit deep shots, but if we make them dink and dunk, if we make them go to their quick game and they play a little bit more press man coverage, the Packers can't beat us. That is what teams decided, and it was true. And and so the problem is you need them working in harmony. You need players who can get open underneath to have some balance with the quick game and the deep shot game, and then that will open up opportunities to make your play-action game and those plays that you're trying to push the ball down the field more effective because teams cannot sit sit with two deep safeties and say, we dare you to beat us underneath. The Vikings tried it, and that's why they went to a lot of that quick passing game that we saw in Week 16. That is a game that Packer fans love to point to and say, look, that version of Aaron Rodgers is the best version of Aaron Rodgers. And part of that is because Alan Lazard was winning his one-on-one matchups on slants. Devontae Adams, same thing. And they were able to get those plays working. If they had another person, another receiver who could do that, it's why speed is going to be a priority. Speed and, and quickness is going to be a priority for the Packers in the offseason with the receiver position. It's not just Robbie Anderson being able to take the top off of a defense. It's why I think Robert Woods is so appealing. It's being able to win with your route running, win early, and take a four-yard play and turn it into a 12-yard play. Take a six-yard route and turn it into 16. That part of this offense is missing. It's also where your tight ends come in. You know, one of the reasons Jimmy Garoppolo can get the ball out so quickly is he's got playmakers that can live in that space. You get the ball to Debo Samuel, he's going to make people miss. Number two in broken tackles among receivers this season, according to Pro Football Focus. George Kittle is the biggest after-the-catch monster in football. They have two players who can do it. A.J. Brown, who was one of the big reasons for the Titans' offense taking off this season, was number one. Killed teams after the catch. Green Bay doesn't have a player like that, whether it's a tight end or a receiver. The best they have is Devontae Adams went healthy, and he wasn't healthy. And then Aaron Jones in spurts. You can't live off Aaron Jones in the screen game. And they did it for a month, and it worked in the short term. And they couldn't get back to it. Teams were ready for it in a lot of in a lot of these games. But what what bothers me more than anything else, what really just irks me, is all of these facile arguments about Rodgers not buying in because he is not playing a certain kind of way. We have no real evidence that there is any lack of buy-in from the quarterback. No evidence. In fact, all of the evidence 
points to the contrary. Every time we hear from players, and think of the players we've heard from on this show, they talk about the the synergy between quarterback and coach. Rodgers has talked glowingly about the scheme and the evolution of it and how excited he is to move forward in it and grow in it and, and add tempo to it. The reason there are still a lot of pieces of the Mike McCarthy offense is because Matt LaFleur wants them there and Aaron Rodgers wants them there. And both of those things matter. I don't think it is either reasonable or fair for us to make these assumptions that because Rodgers is not playing differently, that he is somehow not bought into an offense because he's not doing something that the offense by its nature does not necessarily prioritize. Yes, Matt LaFleur does want to get to some rhythm passing game stuff, the the one-step and the three-step stuff. But he was catering to his personnel this season, in part, by not doing it. It wouldn't have been prudent to do. How many times did Aaron Rodgers throw the ball to the flat to Geronimo Allison or Jimmy Graham only to see that player get tackled in the backfield? How many times a game are they supposed to run that? There were more opportunities for Rodgers to get to built-in, short, underneath throws where he can't eschew the the quick throw to get to a deeper throw. A problem for Rodgers. And and none of this is to absolve Rodgers of the blame that he deserves for taking unnecessary sacks because he wants to push the ball down the field and for extending plays when the play in rhythm is there. It's not about getting quicker. It's about getting on time. And getting on time is about continuity and it's about consistency. And you need players who can get to the right spot on time. Right now, they don't. So again, this is not to absolve Rodgers of the blame he deserves for his role in the inconsistencies in this offense. He is part of the reason they were not as consistent this year as they were at their peak because he did not perform at the level that he has in seasons past. But this notion that him playing the way he has literally always played is proof that he's not buying into the coach or that there is some sort of discord between coach and quarterback is ridiculous. If there there is reporting to be done, do it. If there is something that is based on inside information and that's the, the heart of this case, make the case that way, not through innuendo and intimations. That's not useful. If you have a case, make it. And this is not about Tom Silverstein, who I think does a wonderful job covering the Packers and has for a long time. I just don't agree with his argument. I don't agree with the execution of what he set out to do. There is sourcing in that piece. I, be- I believe that that, that was well-reported and well-sourced. I think the argument was bad, and that's a difference. It's an important difference. If you enjoy football and you have a heartbeat, then you know what's coming. It's the time of year to get ready for the Super Bowl. Plan a party, get the snacks ready, and get your wagers locked in because the Super Bowl is almost here. Whether you're choosing a straight-up winner of the game or making a side bet with a friend, MyBookie offers you the most up-to-date odds and a site that makes winning cash easy and fast. MyBookie features the most complete lineup of Super Bowl props of any sports book in the business. The amount of betting options is unrivaled, and you can visit MyBookie.ag slash party now to access a printable prop sheet 
for the big game. Football not your jam? Don't sweat it because we've got you covered. I don't know why you're listening to this show if football's not your jam, but if you are, thanks for listening, because we've got you covered with lines on every other major sport, the NBA, the NHL, and the NCAA. Plus, if you deposit right now, they'll match your deposit halfway. That's basically free cash to throw down on your best bet. This is the last chance to take advantage, so sign up now in our promo code locked on when you make your deposit. That's promo code locked on to give your bankroll a jumpstart. My bookie, you play, you win, you get paid. All right, I want to move our off-season discussion in a different direction now, and I want to do with this question. Hey, Peter, instead of grabbing a receiver, using more tight ends like Sternberger and Big Bob with Lazard coming in strong, Shepard being re-signed, keep Irvin, and then use other resources to beef up D-line and linebackers, second year with adding EQ back, Jones and Williams' scheme could be limitless. Aaron from Shithole, Illinois. <laughs> go Pack Go. Sexy Matt is awesome. This is an interesting proposal. It is not one that I've heard often from Packer fans. They seem resolute in grabbing a receiver. But I think this perspective is worth exploring from this standpoint. Can the Packers improve simply by bringing back the core healthy and seeing some development? So let's say they do nothing offensively. They, they say linebacker in round one, defensive lineman in round two. They add another linebacker or a cornerback in round three. And then after that, because those players are unlikely to make a big impact on your team, doesn't really matter. And that's what they do. That's how they go into the offseason. No sign, no signings for a receiver, no trades, no nothing. And I think there is a case, assuming they keep Brian Bulaga, that this offense can be better. You're probably going to lose Jimmy Graham. Probably going to move on from Lane Taylor. But your offensive line should still be really good. You've got two very good running backs you feel great about. Devontae Adams is back healthy. You're getting EQ back. Lazard, with an extra year, a full offseason to get acclimated here, to to earn Aaron Rodgers' trust in an even bigger way, and for the coaches to to learn more of what he's good at. Now they have a full offseason to incorporate Tyler Irvin and some of the package plays that they have for him. I still believe in the talent of Equinemius St. Brown. Yes, they could be better by virtue of internal improvement. I think Jay Sternberger could be a big part of this offense. You see from the Jimmy Graham numbers I mentioned earlier, 11th in yards after catch per reception. Now imagine if the guy getting those targets is Jay Sternberger, not Jimmy Graham. Think of how that could potentially be different. Or Big Bob Tanyan. That adds a layer to this offense that it didn't have last year. And now you think of, okay, they they didn't even use the tempo of this offense. They didn't, they didn't really go to no huddle because they didn't really have it in. And so could that be another place where this team can improve? I think it is. So from that standpoint, I know there's there's a lot of consternation over the offense and, and how they ended the season because of what happened against San Francisco. And, and I, I think that's somewhat reasonable to say, against the team that they're going to have to beat again next year if they want to go to the Super Bowl in all likelihood. Their offense didn't perform well enough, at least in the first half when the game was still in doubt. In the second half, 
with you know the, the 49ers easing up a little bit and playing a little softer. They were they were able to get some continuity going. They were able to get Devontae Adams going. I don't think it, it should be lost on anyone, though, that Devontae Adams cooked Richard Sherman even in uh, a prevent-ish type situation. Devontae Adams is really good. He's a really good player. And, you know, if we want to dovetail it to our conversation earlier, the offense actually got the ball out quicker with Adams on the field than without, which points to the point that I was making earlier about talent. The more talent you have on the field, the easier it is to be creative with how quickly you're getting the ball out. If you have a receiver who can get open quickly, if Jay Sternberger proves to be that guy, you can stick him out there in the slot against a linebacker and on a on a quick game throw he can get open, then hey, you're going to do that more. That's just that's just easy coaching. The Packers can improve without making significant steps forward. I hear from a lot of Packer fans who seem to want to play Madden and they want to sign Robbie Anderson and they want to trade for Robert Woods and they want to trade for Odell Beckham and they want to you know, pull Jordy Nelson out of retirement and see if Randy Moss still wants to play and Jerry Rice was running routes against San Francisco, maybe bring him back. I mean, it is crazy the perspective that I think some people have about the status of this roster, acting like it is the same team that was as bereft of talent as it was last offseason. They are a playmaker short on offense. A playmaker short. But they could still be a very good offense. This was a good offense last year. It was inconsistent, and they they won in ways that we're not used to with the run game and some uglier offense than we're used to seeing. But this was still a good offense and a very good run game. So could they be a good offense again in year two, a little bit more continuity? The coaches know the players better? Yeah. Yeah, it could. And I I think that we have to remember that when we're looking at what a a Jalen Rager or LaVisca Chenault or some of these receivers in the draft could do or what Robbie Anderson could do or Robert Woods. It could elevate this team in a profound way. They don't need to add 16 different guys to make this all work. There is a sort of Occam's razor to all of that, and that is the simplest explanation for how to fix this team is probably the right one. Now, that's not quite how that works, but the metaphor I like, so let's go with it. Aaron's point is a good one. There's still plenty of talent that can be mined on this team, a lot of young pieces with upside, and their development is as crucial to the evolution of this offense as finding that second playmaker to go with Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones, and, and all the other secondary pieces that they already have. If you're a listener of this podcast, I'm sure you've heard about all the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans. But you may not know that Locked On Packers is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Packer fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners and not just any podcast listener, a Locked On podcast listener. That means well-educated with disposable income, which makes them the right kind of listener for your company. So let's put your company right here on this Locked On podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. Text the word ADVERTISING in all caps to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve Locked On advertising success. Once again, text the word ADVERTISING to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising. 
a couple notes here as we finish up. Alex Van Pelt, former Packers quarterback coach. He was the quarterback's coach that Aaron Rodgers was bummed. The team was not keeping. In fact, more than bum, a little miffed. He was in Cincinnati last season. He is the offensive coordinator for the Cleveland Browns now, which is an interesting pairing because he comes from that Mike McCarthy style, but then went to coach for Zach Taylor, who had the sort of Kyle Shanahan style, Sean McVay being his his mentor at his last stop in L.A., but it's all the Shanahan tree in Cincinnati, and now goes back to a little bit more what we think is going to be a traditional Shanahan, West Coast, outside zone, Gary Kubiak type offense with Kevin Stefanski. It is not dissimilar, as my friend and friend of the show, Jason Hershorn, pointed out, from what the Packers did with Nathaniel Hackett to pull in a guy with that classic West Coast background to go with the outside zone play action scheme of Matt LaFleur. Just an interesting note to put there. And then speaking of the Browns, a lot of Packer fans will be interested to know Elliot Wolf and Alonzo Highsmith are out in Cleveland with a new front office hierarchy in place. And just so we can nip this in the bud, do not expect a reunion in Green Bay. That that did not end great. Elliot Wolf got several opportunities the last few seasons for a GM job and didn't get any of them. My guess would be he wants to go somewhere new to try and establish himself. If the Texans were smart, they would hire him. And they're not, so they won't. But it, he's not coming back to Green Bay. I just don't see it. Uh, but but there are plenty of other places where he could go and, and potentially be the GM in waiting. The same is true for Alonzo Highsmith, who's going to have a lot of options. He uh, There was some talk of him returning to college as well. So there's going to be plenty of opportunities for each of those guys. It just doesn't seem like it's going to be in Green Bay. All right, we're going to have a podcast tomorrow. But I, I think our Friday shows we're going to try and keep pretty short, 10, 15 minutes, and take a couple questions and get out of there. And we'll do a, we'll do a Periscope every once in a while just to, to try and get a little extra fan engagement. We will not do that tomorrow, but we will have a show. So keep an eye out for that. Easiest way to make sure you never miss it is to subscribe. Get on Spotify, get on iTunes, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. You can also follow me on Twitter. I always am tweeting out the episodes at Peter underscore Bukowski. We also tweeted from the main account at Locked on Packers. Remember, you can subscribe to the newsletter to get Packers content delivered right to your phone, right to your email inbox. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you want to send in a question, do that. 920-341-3775 to stay locked on Packers.